we're thankful for our visitors that are with us this morning. Thank you for being with us. We're glad to have you today. Thank you for being with us. And today we'll continue in our walk along this gravel road to heaven. That's the name of the lesson series that we're in right now. And, uh, you know, um, just thankful how God's speaking to us in these lessons. I really enjoyed last week um, just getting into that. And I think today the lesson is uh, we'll deal with the least favorable part of our walk with God. It's the things that we just... We wish we could bypass it, get away, get around it. Uh, the waiting room. And uh, nobody likes the waiting room, no matter where it is. And we sure don't like it in our walk for God. But you know, the preachers used to preach and they used to sing and say things like, well, until God opens the door, I'll just shout in the hallway. And, uh, you know, and it's, it, it makes for good preaching and makes for good singing, but it also makes for good living. Just, you know, just uh, we need to just... Keep on shouting, keep on praising while we're letting God, man, if you can't trust God to finish what he's doing, but you can't rush him, you can't micromanage God, you just got to let him do what he's going to do. And so uh, we're going to talk about the waiting room today. Let's pray for the lesson this morning. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Lord, being the potter, we know that you're the potter and we're the clay and you're forming us and making us into the vessel you want us to be. Help us to receive from your word today to grow. Lord, as we walk this road with you, Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen one more time. Clap your hands to the Lord before you're seated. What a great God. Thankful for him today. You can be seated. God bless you. The waiting room is a place of spiritual formation. That's the little subtitle on this chapter. The author tells a story of his uh, of a recent doctor visit, and he was sitting in the waiting room, waiting for the nurse to call him. And while he was waiting, he began to have imagine the conversation that he would have with his doctor. The doctor would ask him, "Have you cut back on your sugar?" And he's like, "Yes." Have you been exercising regularly? Yes. And any problems since last time I saw you? And he's like, no. And so he's looking at in his mind just a positive thing going on. But what he didn't realize that uh, even as he was sitting there reassuring himself in this imaginary conversation, uh, he was working against himself. When the nurse came in and checked his blood pressure, she frowned and said, your blood pressure is 189 over 85. He said, immediately I thought, major equipment failure. Something is bad wrong. It wasn't what he expected because uh, he had been doing good. But at her suggestion, she said, listen, I want you to breathe deeply several times. Just clear your mind and, and relax. Five minutes later, she took her second reading, and it was 135 over 71. That's good blood pressure. What was the problem? The problem was, uh, the nurse explained, was that people sitting in the waiting room will allow their minds to cause them to stress as they wait. And he said, while I had not been aware of it, I had been a victim of the waiting room. He said, my situation, my problem was of my own making, and I had allowed a place of rest to become a place of stress. 
Anybody been a victim of the waiting room? As a pastor, I've went to the hospitals with many, to, with many people or to doctor's offices with many people, and I have watched this happen in person. I have watched them uh, take their blood pressure, and it would be high. And, uh, and I would just try to reassure them, say, look, you're not dying. You're not having a heart attack. You're, you're not. Just calm down. Just hold on. Everything's going to be all right. And uh, just, just wait a minute. They came back in, took their blood pressure. It was down. A few minutes later, they came back to it again. It was even lower. It was simply the anxiety of what if the doctor says this? I remember years ago, before I uh, got in the church, I used to chew tobacco and, and dip snuff and uh, heavily playing ball. It was just something you did. And while I was at my dentist over here, it was after we had started the church, he was doing the exam and the cleaning and just routine stuff. And he said, uh, do you have any pain under your tongue way back? And I was like, no. He said, I want to show you something. He got a mirror where I could see it, and there was this white dot way back where your tongue connects. And he said, I'm not sure what that is. He said, but we're going to have to take a little sample of it and send it off and make sure that it's not cancer. And I'm like, and, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I'm smiling. Yeah, okay. So they do that. And I remember when I went for the results, sitting in that chair by myself in that room, and I thought all I could think of was that in the next few moments, I'm going to hear something that may just change my life forever. And, and I started getting worked up. I was like, what will my wife and kids do? You know, what if it is cancer? What if they have to cut my tongue out? What if I'm, you know, I'm just like all kinds of things. How can I preach if, you know, all these things going through my mind? I could feel I was getting like this. And, uh, and then I was like, hold on. They hadn't told me nothing yet. I'm just already assuming that this is going to be the worst outcome. Uh, it's going to be bad. It's going, so I just said, I just started praying and talking to the Lord and said, this is going to be fine in Jesus' name. They come in there and say, oh, it ain't nothing but a little fatty thing, something or another, nothing. It's, boom, you're good. Get out of here. That's it. Nothing else. You sure there's nothing else? And somehow we just, you sure there ain't no bad news? Just, man, take the good news. Just take the good news and run with it. You know, get out of there. Before, before they make up something, go. They're going to charge you for sitting there. Get out of there. But, but it's like we do that is that place where uh, in our walk with God, especially when, we, uh, when we're waiting for this uh, divine assignment that God's going to give us, you know, we, we stress ourselves out so bad uh, waiting for what we feel like has got to be the answer. And, and um, we should uh, do as uh, the nurse said, do something to relax you. I always encourage people to look at the facts a lot of times. Just look at where you are. Look at what's actually going on and only stand on that. Don't suppose and don't assume and don't start creating scenarios. Just simply live by what is in front of you right now. I had someone the other day. They were telling me about this, going through this situation, going through that situation. I was, it was a cousin of mine that I was talking to, and I said, and they made a statement, you know, because they were like, I should do this, and, but this happens. If I go to this, this will happen. 
But, you know, right now, where I'm at with just me and my daughter, I'm just so good. Everything's so good. And she just kept going on. I said, all right, let's just back up. And what did you just say? You and your daughter right now, where you are, you're good. She said, yeah. And I said, okay, stay right there until the next thing opens up. Quit trying to run ahead and create things and just learn to trust God and wait for it to open. I, I, you, know, you can't uh, take a step until God uh, makes the path. You know, I mentioned this last week. I said you know, uh, when God was bringing Israel out of Egypt and they, there was a promised land for them, but at one point they were just standing still, but they were facing the right direction. And uh, they couldn't walk through the Red Sea till God opened up the Red Sea. The path was there. They couldn't see it until God rolled the water back. But the path was there. It just had to roll the water. You got to let God move the stuff and open up and reveal and, and do what he's going to do. And even when it first rolled back, they didn't just take off running. He said, let me dry this place out. For you. You're going to get bogged down in the mud if you try to take off now. Let me dry the ground because they went across on dry ground. And so we've got to learn to trust God. Isaiah 40 and 31, you know this scripture. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You've got to learn to wait on God and be refreshed, be renewed, renew your strength. Uh, so, you know, I thought about this. If the joy of the Lord is my strength, there's joy in waiting on God. If you're not seeing joy while you're waiting on God, you're not waiting right. <laughs> Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so if I'm not finding joy in the waiting, then I'm not waiting right. I'm simply not waiting right. I need to realize that I'm going to have my strength renewed here. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We've got to learn to trust God in this. Now, we've been talking about Moses in this series. And if you've been doing your bread reading for the year, you've already read through uh, the book of Exodus. In, but in Exodus 3, we find Moses coming to his divine assignment. But Moses had been in the waiting room, not for a few minutes, not for a few hours, 40 years. Moses has been in the wilderness tending sheep, watching over flocks of his father-in-law and 40 years without a word from God, 40 years without any understanding of uh, what he was going to do with his life, 40 years. But that's not what we want. We don't want uh, to wait. That's not American. It's not. It's not a, a, an American value or virtue. It's a, uh, our, our culture today, you know, you know how it is, this thing right here speaks volumes. Before you're even done paying for it, the new one's out. And, and thankfully, Verizon will let you know you can upgrade. And it ain't nothing eats you up like your slow phone when the guy sitting next to you has got the fast phone. It's, we want the fastest internet. We, we want everything. We still want quality and value. We want all the stuff that's, we want it to be done right, but we want it now. We want the world to learn how to give me the quality that I want, but do it now. I don't want to wait. But see, quality, used to be people knew that quality took time. And, and uh, things of value took time. And uh, things that were valuable took time to, took time to form. And, but that's not how we do. You know, we, we, wanna, we will pay uh, to cut the weight. You know, these theme parks, 
you can you pay already pay a crazy amount of money just to get in there, and now hey, for another seventy five dollars, you can get a fast pass, and you're so happy with the fast pass. But you know, so you can just breeze right by everybody else, and you can just look at them, smile, and they're mad because they're waiting. But the, you know, well, you can uh, pay a little money to extra to expedite when you order something. You know, standard shipping. Six to eight weeks, or you can pay $158 and get it tomorrow. Yeah, oh, man, 100, so $158. Well, I just won't eat this week. Let's pay 100 So you'll pay for that expediting things. You'll, you'll pay for it. Uh, when it would still get there, you would still enjoy it, but I want it now. I want it now. I got to have it now because we, we, we procrastinate, so we know we need it for a trip we're going on. So, oh, it's two days for my trip, but I need that now. So, yeah, overnight it. That's it. it you know, Faster is better. That's what we think. But is it? Is faster better? Let me tell you, instant grits can't touch cooked grits. You shake that little pouch out and pour some boiling water in it. That's a sad replacement for somebody, for your grandmama that knows how to pour their grits in that pot and cook them. You're going to tell me you like microwaved Mac and cheese better than you do baked in the oven mac and cheese. Come on now, talk to. Oh, I'm talking now college people. That's what you live off of, but I, but that's that's just necessary. It ain't, but it ain't the best. You know, you'd rather have a home cooked meal. And there ain't never been a piece of chicken cooked in a microwave that was better than battered and fried, or grilled. Come on. So the, the instant uh, faster is not always better. But here it is. We fall prey to the instant success syndrome. We do that when we assume that greatness is in the work of one magical moment. That it's only great if it explodes on us. You know, uh, you look at someone's marriage, and they've been married 28 years coming up, and you think, boy, that's a great marriage. The great marriage didn't happen on the wedding day. We think, well, the, the marriage is going to be determined by the ceremony. That's hogwash. I know people that, but way back, your grandparents, people, they got married out by a tree somewhere uh, with a, you know, some preacher they, that they knew come up and married them, and they were married for 60, 70 years and loved each other like nothing else, man. You know, it wasn't about that. Uh, but I know people that have spent way too much money on ceremonies and it didn't last a year. It's just, it's not, it doesn't happen. Although you couldn't believe the ceremonies out of this world, but you know, the marriage, the greatness of it was formed over time. Over time, it was uh, commitment and years of commitment. And, and uh, that's, that's what uh, brings me to this, this scripture uh, in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Paul said, or the writer, not Paul, they, they attribute this to Paul, but I don't know whether he wrote it or not. In 10 and verse 35, cast not away your confidence. Don't throw away what you've got just because you're in a season of waiting. If you had enough confidence to walk into that room, then have enough confidence to endure the time you're there while you're in that waiting room. Don't throw your confidence away just because you're waiting. Don't, uh, don't cast your confidence away. Throwing your confidence away is the same as building up scenarios in your head. It says, because your confidence in God has great recompense of reward. Then, for you have need of patience. 
The writer said it. You don't have to be mad at me over it. You, you just might as well say, me, I have need of patience. Because after you've done the will of God, then you might receive the promise, or you would receive the promise, but you're going to have to have a little patience because God's faithful. Yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. He will not tarry. Now us, the just, shall live by faith, but if we draw back, if we give up, we walk away. My soul has no pleasure in them, but we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Uh, God's people are waiting room, wilderness, enduring people. We are uh, wanderers. You know, when Israel was wandering, they, they weren't lost. They were wandering because there was something leading them by day and by night. But they were wandering, and it was under God's order that they were wandering. And so uh, when we uh, start thinking, well, greatness and my ministry or my marriage or my job, it's all going to come in one great magical moment. It's not going to happen. It just doesn't, doesn't happen like that. We've got to trust God. If you take away the 40 years that Moses spent in that dry, barren, lonely desert, then you take away the man that we read about. Moses would not have been that leader that we read about if he had not spent that time. Everything he had went through from uh, the peril at his birth, living in the palaces, flee from Egypt, to living now in the wilderness, all this culminated into the man we know. Every bit of it was vital in making him who he was. You take away the loneliness that you're feeling right now, and a vital part of God's design for your life is going to be missing. When you, when you start uh, uh, boarding the waiting room and, and, and walking out of the waiting room and throwing in the towel in the waiting room, you're, you're just taking away what God's trying to do for your life. You take away the brokenness uh, of the, the grief you have, of the, the sorrow you have maybe because of, of a loss or maybe it's, because, or it's the shame that you feel because a, a secret sin was exposed and it humbled you and brought you back into a place where God could use you. you know, if you take all that away, then the tenderness that you need, the experience that you need to walk with others in that same place, it won't be there. God is forming something in you in that waiting room. If you take away Joseph's pit, you take away Joseph's prison, he never hears that dream and he never makes it to the palace and he never saves anybody alive. But God was forming him all along the way. You take away David's days of being a shepherd, just sitting back in the grass and you take away those uh, battles against lions and bears, he's never going to see Goliath. And if there's no Goliath, there's no reward from the king and, and that access uh, into the palace, it's never there for him. God was forming him. It didn't happen in one magical moment of Samuel pouring oil on his head. He poured oil on his head and said, hey, get back to the sheep. He didn't take him right to the palace. It didn't happen in one magical moment. So, no, listen, don't try to patch up what God is trying to make whole. You see, we're trying to, we're in this waiting period and things are going crazy and we're in this wilderness and things are going crazy and we're trying to put a Band-Aid on, on something that God is trying to make whole. 
We're trying to patch it together and say, I'll just be satisfied with it just barely holding together. But God's saying, if you'll just get out of the way, if you'll just wait a little while, I'll make it whole. I'll make it good. I'll make it perfect. It'll be exactly what it needs to be. But, but we, we, get, we want it so fast and so quickly that we, we will uh, just give in and settle for less than what God wants us to have and just be like, well, I, I, I can't wait anymore. I've got to have it now. And, oh, boy, let me tell you, that patch won't hold. It won't hold. Uh, you, you can't sew it together good enough if it's not God's will. And the thing about this is when God shows up in that burning bush for Moses, Moses was ready. He didn't know it. He didn't believe it. But God wasn't going to call somebody that was not ready. So he, God was ready, or Moses was ready, to represent God before Pharaoh because he had walked with God in a place that so many of us resist and walk away from, and that's the waiting room. Moses was ready. He didn't believe it. A lot of times we don't believe it. That's, that's that waiting room syndrome. Oh, God, that's why I'm waiting because God's like, no, I can't use you. You've done this. You've done that. You've been here. You've been there. And so I know God's just really done with me. He's just being kind and let me sit here. But you know, no, you're, you'll be ready when he shows up. And when Moses happened upon that burning bush, he didn't realize he was standing on holy ground. He didn't realize where he was. God had to tell him, hey, all right, you're all, you've stepped onto holy ground now. So you've got to realize that I'm here for you. Uh, we, we talked about it in our very first lesson. Don't miss your burning bush. Be there. Well, you can't be there if you leave the waiting room. If you jump out of the waiting room, I, but I just don't like a waiting room. Oh, Look how many things, silly things we are fine with waiting on. How many guys in here like a good steak? You got a good place where they cook a good steak. You got your favorite steakhouse. And you know when you sit down and they take your order and you order that filet or you know, porterhouse, maybe you want to eat big so you get the porterhouse, but you, you tell them exactly how to cook it. And it comes out just like you like it. And you're so glad. And you're just like, my compliments to the chef. But you don't think about all he did back there preparing. If you'd have said, I want that porterhouse, and they'd have brought it out there and slapped it on the table, it's raw. It's a porterhouse, but it's raw. There ain't no seasoning on it. Yeah, you got to leave it with the chef a while. You got to let him season it up and, and do what he does to it and put that rub on it and all that mojo he does while he's in the kitchen, works on it and everything, and it comes out, and you're like, woo, compliments to the chef. You ain't even worried. You're sitting there to drink two or three Cokes while you're waiting on it. You ain't worried waiting on that steak because you know it's going to be just right. And we can't even give God the same amount of time as we give the chef in the kitchen. And God's back there saying, don't rush me because I'm working on it. I'm fixing it. When it comes out, you'll be saying, my compliments to the chef. You'll be like, that's what I'm talking That's good. I like that. Yeah, they used to Tell us, elders, you say this a lot, older people did, and if you've ever said this to somebody, I'm not, I, I'm not against you saying it. I just don't think it's correct. Don't pray for patience. Boy, tell me, when I was first in the church, I'd hear these old people, don't pray for patience, Brother Ed. Why not? 
I, if I need patience, why wouldn't I pray for it? Because you know what brings patience? Tribulation. Well, let me tell you something. Tribulation's coming whether you pray for patience or not. Because the Lord said, in this world you will have tribulation. Another, you know what another name for tribulation is? Waiting room. Yeah. Tribulation worketh. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Well, tribulation worketh patience. And so whether you, tribulation and how you come out of it and what you get out of it is going to depend on how you treat it, how you act in it, how you respond to it, same way you do in the waiting room. Uh, that waiting room is often, that wilderness is, is often that, that, that tribulation. And so tribulation worketh patience, but the Bible says patience. Let patience have her perfect work. We're going to be incomplete without tribulation. We're going to be incomplete without our waiting room. That is a place where God is forming us. Just like God chose Moses, he chose us. But I just don't like it. You know what? Nobody does. I was riding uh, to the viewing on Thursday, and I was just thinking of this lesson, just running it over in my mind, and I was just trying to meditate going down the road and thinking about this wilderness and waiting room, and it's just like the Holy Ghost just stumped me right in the brain. said, so you don't like the wilderness or the waiting room? No, Lord, I don't. He says, well, guess what, genius? Your waiting room, you listen to this now. You listen to what I'm saying. You memorize it or write it down, stick it on your refrigerator. Your waiting room or your wilderness is very often the result of the very prayer you prayed. Because when you pray a prayer, God says, all right, Lord, I want to be a, a, a missionary. Okay, you ain't just fixing to hop a plane and go. You finna go get in the waiting room while I start working on you. Lord, I want you, I want you to send me uh, the perfect person to, to be uh, in ministry with me, to, to, to be in uh, uh, this life with me. And, and I want to say, okay, where are they at? I'm working on you and them. You know, as the reason you find yourself in that wilderness is because you prayed a prayer for God to work in your life. And God's not just going, let me sprinkle a little pixie dust on you and everything will be fine. It was just, uh, woo, and just boom, there it is. No, God said, okay, I'm going to put you on that potter's wheel. And I'm going to mold and shape. Oh, that ain't right. You ever felt like God did that? So let's get, let's get going one more time. Uh, you know why he did that? Because you got out of, oh, you got crooked. Now I got to start all over. So that's, we're living clay. And when we start goofing off on the potter's wheel, that's when God starts saying, now I got to start over. Oh, I don't like this part, God. I don't like this part. It'll make you be careful what you ask for. Because he said, ask. I, I ask. I didn't know ask was going to put me in the wilderness. <laughs> And God's just sitting back there going, but it does. I didn't know that was going to put me in the way. Yeah, but it will. And so you, you remember this now. Don't get upset with, the, with God over the preparation. 
because we asked him, oh, God, have your perfect will in my life. Look out. You said perfect. Oh, your patience has perfect work. Your patience comes from tribulation. You're going to the waiting room. You get, hey, you just got your fast pass straight to the wilderness. There you go. So I can work on you. So, so, you know, so many times we get frustrated. God, God, I ask you to do this. Nothing's happening yet. Yet. That's a lovely word when you live for God. You better learn it yet because God is faithful who has promised. God does not lie. God does not trick us. God does not tease us. And so if it hasn't come, it just hasn't come yet. He hasn't answered me yet. God will answer and that waiting room, uh, uh, that's the place where spiritual formation takes place. And, and that's the place where God puts us. He, he doesn't leave us or forsake us, but he puts us there. And he, he's watching. He's with us. He never leaves us. But it's, it's where we're tested. It's where we're tried. Are we going to keep serving him and walking with him? Because this idea of walking with God, is, it's not about your age or the length of time. It's not about a physical movement to another place. It's not about literal human movement. Walking with God is the process that God chooses and the events that he puts in your path to teach you how to live this life and how to respond to this life in a godly manner, how to appropriately respond to the situation. It is how God develops you for the purpose that he designed you for. Before you were formed in the womb. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, We are God's masterpiece or his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. We know the plans that he has for us. You know, he said that. He said, I know what I what I think about you and the plans I have for you to give you an expected end. God is working in our life. And so when if where you are right now, if you feel like I'm in the wilderness, I'm in the waiting room, then just, listen, seek God's perspective. Try to see it the way God sees it and quit, uh, resist the temptation thinking God has left me here. God has abandoned me. I wonder what Joseph thought. I mean, God was blessing, but did he know that was God blessing? It doesn't say that he knew that, but you know, his family, his brothers, you know, if those that were closest to him had thrown him away, maybe I didn't have that dream. Maybe God, maybe I did something God's upset with me. Maybe being kind of a brat and boasting about it, God pulled the plug on it. I don't know. Here I am in prison. I helped one guy, told him to remember me when he got out of here for three years. He forgot me. You know, the baker or the butler, he forgot him. And it was the butler that said, ooh, I just remember three years ago while I was in prison. <laughs> three years. Waiting room. Waiting room. Listen, God knows exactly where you are. And when it's time, he'll speak loud and clear. Concerning Joseph, if you look in Genesis 41 and 19, I didn't give you that. Don't worry about it, sis. But there's a word there that they used when they pulled him out of prison. It says, Hastily, When that king called for him, they brought him up hastily. 
Okay, that's it. It's done. It's perfect. You know, when they get your food right back there in the kitchen, if they're good, they're like, now get that out there before it cools off or it gets cold. It won't be any good. Get it on out there. And God knows when it's time, let's get to it. You're not waiting around now. Famine's coming. We ain't got another day. God has it timed down to the second. God knew exactly when the famine, you know, to us, well, it started yesterday. God tell you what second it started. God knows exactly when it starts. And so they brought him up. And, of course, we know how that God blessed and used and he saved many people alive. And that's how Israel made their way into Egypt and began to grow from a number of 70 to a number of millions. And what Moses found out in that wilderness was that the God of his destiny was ready to become the Lord of his daily life. Uh, that's what it is to walk with God each day, is that he is no, not just the God of your destiny, but he is the Lord of your daily life, that every day I submit to him, every day I'm living my life for him, I'm talking to him, I'm praying to him, I'm reading about him, I'm trying to learn more about him, I'm trying to be more like him. And each day as Moses led the Jews, he understood more. Wow, I need to place my faith in this God who met me in a burning bush. I need to trust this God that will eventually open the Red Sea and cause water to come up out of the rock. I need to trust this God. Well, it's the same with us. As we walk daily, Jesus said, you must take up the cross daily and follow me. And so as we walk daily, we learn to trust in this God who manifested himself in the flesh and died on Calvary, was buried and rose three days later that filled us with his spirit. Every day, every situation, it's another opportunity for us to trust and have confidence in the God who has saved us. And so he's going to, and guess what? Just like he did miracles for them and their wanderings, you're going to see the miraculous all along the way, all along the way. We wait for God prayerfully, asking him to, uh, you know, Lord, fix me, fix these flaws. But man, when you start asking God to fix things, yeah, we need fixing, but the fixing isn't always pleasant. It's, uh, you know, we, we've got to endure that formation. Uh, sometimes God has to, help remove things out of our life. God, God doesn't just always pull things out of our life because some things we brought in, we have to relinquish. You know, God doesn't steal from us. If we brought it into our life, he's like, he lets us know you need to lay that down. You need to drop that. That's why the scripture says lay aside, lay aside. Repentance is a, a form of doing that, changing, walking away, turning away from things that you created. So he's given us the avenues to get rid of weights and sins and things like that but he won't just oh god just took my sins away well he washed them away when you were obedient to the word he didn't just grab you and, and put you on the washboard you know we, you know, we think god's just gonna all right you're good get out of here no you'll come to him for that lord i repent of my sins i repent of the life i lived I believe in you, that you, who you are and what you did. Okay, so I'm, I'm buried in his name through baptism, the water, that name, that faith. My sins are washed away. Now he's filled me with the Holy Ghost. He, none of that's for us. That's all us being obedient. That's all us believing him and living our lives according to what he wants to do. So instead of getting angry at God while he's working on us, 
uh, you know, ask him, Lord, show me, prepare me, help me to understand what we're going through. Again, it's that praise him in the hallway. So let's just say it like this. Let's just praise him in the waiting room until he opens the door. Until he comes out and says, all right, I got your results. All right, this is, in other words, you're sitting there waiting on the results. Oh, it must be bad. They're taking so long. It's got to be bad. Maybe the computer's down. Oh, no, no. It's just because it's so bad they can't even figure out how to tell me. That's what it is. They just, they're they're going ahead and they're calling the morgue already. I just, they'll meet me soon because I'm going to fall out dead when they tell me these results. And you're, Man, you're sweating and worked up, and they got to give you a Valium just to get you calmed down so they can talk to you, you know. They ain't said nothing yet. Trust God. Trust the Lord. God will take care of you. There's a prayer in this book that the author wrote. It was very good, some points in it. He said, pray this prayer while you're waiting and you're asking God to prepare your heart. He said, God, while I'm waiting for you, use this moment to teach me grace. Use this season to teach me how to walk in humility so that you will be able to trust me with bigger responsibilities. I ask you today to prepare me to hear your voice so that I will know how to respond in the days ahead when the pressure is increased. Teach me how to survive this, God. Well, that's what he's doing in that waiting room. He's teaching you how to survive the situation, how to get through it. He's, he's trying to open your eyes. Remember, we talked about how that with every temptation, God will make a way of escape, that you are able to bear it. He's trying to teach you to see that way, see that way out. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of like those, those rooms that then people go to now, them escape rooms. There is a way out of there. You just got to find it. And with every temptation, there is also a way of escape. The scripture says it is, so it's there. It's like when you ever say, this is going to be the end of me, you just said, I surrender. You did Because you can't lay it on God and say, he forsook me, and he's not true to his word, because God said, I will make a way of escape also. It's going to be there. Yeah, the temptation's there, but the way out's there always. Never, ever. I have no choice. Oh, you did. Because there's always a way of escape. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the waiting room, our, our author, he, he mentioned it. He said, the waiting room filled me with unnecessary anxiety. And that's, that's what happens when you, you get so stressed and anxious that you can just miss God's will. Because you focus on all the reasons why God would never Make something great of you. Why God will never, well, I'll never have what I want because I've done this and I've done that and I've been here and I've been there. And we think of all the reasons why, well, didn't, let me ask you this, didn't God forgive all of that when you came to him? You know, we, we, we bring up so much stuff that's already under the blood. It's under the blood. And we're, we're, you know, we're, we're hold, holding these bloody excuses up. And the Lord's like, I covered that. I forgave you of that. I washed you of that. I healed you of that. Why are you bringing this stuff up? This, I got rid of that stuff when you repented and were baptized. That's old news. 
It's buried. Have you been playing around in the grave? What have you been doing? You're digging up your old stuff. Leave the, we don't want nobody else digging it up. Why are we digging it up? And so in Moses, in his 40 years in the waiting room, Moses had to settle the issues of his past. He had killed a man, lost his temper in the heat of the moment. He killed a man. Had God forgiven him? Had this mistake derailed uh, his purpose or God's purpose in his life? Was God not going to be able to use him? What about the fact that he wasn't a good speaker, that he had a stutter, that he, that he, he had a problem with that? And, and uh, you know, is that, because uh, you know, all great leaders are great speakers, are they? But what we find out is that after those 40 years in the wilderness, Moses still felt inadequate, even though God knew you're the one. It, it made God came right to him, spoke to him, and he argued with God over it. I need you to go get my people out of Egypt. Oh, not me, God. You, oh, God don't make mistakes. No, you're ready. Oh, I can't. You, know, you hear I'm, I'm stuttering all over. I can't talk. No, God, I can't. Who made your mouth? You know, who, did, who, who formed that? Who did that? You did God. Okay. Listen, God. You can't argue with God. It's pointless and it's senseless. So what you know and what you should learn about your waiting room is this. The waiting room is not about you and I becoming perfect without any character flaws. It's not about that. It's the place where God prepares us so he can do his work through us. That's what the waiting room is about. We're going we're gonna to go on to perfection as the scripture says to completeness and things as we walk and live for God that waiting room is not about well I can't bring you out till you are completely perfect oh, that's not right uh, but I'll bring you out when you're ready and guess what even when you're ready you're going to fall on your face after you leave the waiting room you're going to trip on the curb on your way to the car <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it's going to happen but it don't it don't change the fact that you just left the waiting room with all the things you needed so when you come out of this wilderness come out of it with confidence that whatever God asks you to do and wherever God chooses to send you let there be confidence in your heart that God will give you the strength that he will empower you to do it have confidence don't remember we, we quoted it earlier cast not away therefore your confidence it has great recompense of reward don't don't lose your confidence in God. God will speak through you. And in the end, everyone will know that you are simply God's earthly instrument. That's what the author said here in a drama that was written and orchestrated in heaven. That God is working through you. When he was done with Joseph, Joseph finally had to look at his brothers and tell them, look, what you intended for evil, God meant for good to save many people alive. All you're looking at is God's vessel. That's who I am. And so our prayer today as you're standing this morning with us. Here's what we need to be praying. God, rid us of the instant success mentality. Get rid of that. Get that out of my mind. And, and Lord, let me allow your timing to be worked out in my life. Let me have your perspective on timing, God. Because you don't know when any old ordinary day might just become extraordinary. 
David, there was no schedule that said, hey, David, the prophet will be coming by the house. He's going to pick somebody. David just, he's way back on the other side of the property watching the sheep. I've got a piece of grass in his teeth just kicking back, maybe playing his little harp or doing something. You know, he just, all of a sudden somebody comes running up, David, David, David. Come on, you got to hurry because the prophet's at the house. He's not even going to sit down, rest, do nothing until you get up here. He's not seen all your other brothers. I don't know what's going on, but he said until he sees you, he ain't sitting down, he ain't resting, nothing. So here comes David running. Probably ran all the way, sweating, smells like sheep. Just there he is. What is it? Pouring that oil on his head. This is him. This is him with dirty feet and sweat running down his face, out of breath. He's a kid. So I won't. Wow, what's this mean? It means go back to the sheep. <laughs> Call you when I'm ready. Go to the waiting room, David. That's where David went. But on an ordinary day, all of a sudden became extraordinary. Same way for Moses. Oh, been a great day. Sheep doing good. What's, there's a burning bush. Moses. Hey. You ever walk up to a tree and it talks to you? Going to be a different day, ain't it? Something about to happen. I need you to go back to Egypt, Moses. I need you to go back and get my people out. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Whew. Oh, boy, I've just been, you know, I've been tending sheep 40 years. I never thought I'd go back. To, well, you are. <laughs> I kept you here so I could keep you safe. I kept you here so I could work on you. I kept you here so I could develop you. Time to go now. And so, you know, sometimes you think, well, I'm just standing here doing nothing, but it's God preparing you. I'm just doing, I'm just waiting. That's all right. That's God preparing you. And so ultimately you realize that our creator ordained every day of your life, ordered every step. You have not missed God's will. Quit thinking that. You are simply being prepared for something that is beyond your wildest imagination. God's preparing you. Praise God. So as you live this week, do these two things. Ask God to give you his perspective about his timing in your life and then reaffirm your commitment to developing a particular character quality that you're, while you're waiting. How can I be better while I'm waiting? What can I do while I'm waiting? If you're sitting in, you know, a lot of people in the waiting room, you see them on their phone, they're not just looking at Facebook. They're answering emails. They're being productive. They're trying because they know they got to get back to work. So they're doing something. What can I do while I'm waiting? What can I do while I am waiting on God? Let's lift our hands and ask the Lord to help us with that right now. Precious Lord, we love you today. And God, we thank you. Yes, Lord, we do. We thank you for the waiting room. We thank you because we know that it is a place where you are molding us and shaping us and working on our lives. So help us, God, to have your perspective on the timing that's going on in our life. God, help us to be better, to get better as we wait for this divine assignment that you've got for us. Well, while we're waiting, we, we've prayed the prayer, and now here we are. But help us to wait, Lord, to trust you with our lives, Lord, to commit our souls, the keeping of it unto you as unto a faithful creator. Help us, God, to understand what we're waiting for. 
God, we love you. God, we praise you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now lift your hands and just worship the Lord for a moment. Let God give you a revelation. You hadn't missed me. You hadn't missed me. You're just waiting for me. You haven't missed me. I haven't passed you by. Hallelujah. Wait on the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Wait on the Lord. said God's going to renew your strength the joy of the Lord's your strength so if you you just remember find the joy in the waiting because it's going to be there in Jesus name thank you for being in our discipleship our 11 o'clock Sunday adult Sunday school and man I'm praying God just keeps leading us down this gravel road to we're going to make it to heaven together we're going to be better at the end of it praise God Let's find a place to pray before the next service and just wait for God to do something great. Amen.